Biz Tools Podcast, Episode 43. Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast, practical advice for today's busy business leader. And now, your hosts, David Speck and Jerry Frentress. Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast. This is David Speck, and I am solo flying here in the Biz Tools studio. Um, we have a very special episode of the Biz Tools Podcast for you today. Usually we're having a conversation either between myself and Jerry Frentress or myself and Sean Green, but today we wanted to bring you something very special from our Biz Tools Breakfast that's hosted once a month at Cohab in Shreveport. During this breakfast, we talk about the ripple effect and how it can hinder or help your business. So let's go ahead and listen in. A smart guy who said that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So keep that in mind as we go through this. Because that's kind of, that applies not only to the universe, but your business. Great example of this is traffic. If there's a pothole on I-20, I-49, then you're going to be backed up for miles and miles and miles. So you have a spot of land on hundreds of miles of roads that's this big, and it can cause that. It's the same thing with your business. Every decision we make has an effect. And that impacts your business, your community, and maybe even depending on your position within the industry, the industry itself. Um, I'll give you a perfect example of this. And, and think about a state job, road work. We've all dealt with road work before. About two years ago, I was making a trek back from Atlanta. I'd gone to my niece's wedding, and we're coming through Jackson, Mississippi at about, oh, about one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm two and a half hours away from home. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And as we start coming right into Jackson, where the interstate intersect, there's this huge backup, literally backed up, just like that, that scene you saw with all kinds of lanes backed up, you know, I think probably lanes all one direction, all equally backed up. There's no, there's no advantage to switching lanes. You know, you've been in backups where like there's that idiot that goes down the right-hand side and tries to rig his way in. There was no doing that. There's nowhere to see what's wrong. We just know that we're stuck. There's no getting off at an exit. There's no anything. You're, you're pretty much gridlocked. And as we sat there, you know, Temper started flaring, uh, people, you could see people honking, like, what's the deal? You know, this is Jackson, Mississippi. This isn't New York City or Los Angeles. And after three hours of being in that, we finally saw the cause. Road crews were doing road work on a patch that was probably the size of that little kitchenette area back there. But what they failed to do was create the merge far enough back to where people were down to one lane. So literally within less than a half a mile of this one patch, you're trying to merge all of these lanes into one. Very small decision. All they had to do was put a few signs further out, put the cones up. I mean, we've seen it all the time. But because they did not make the decision to do that, they created a major traffic snarl. Now, think about all the cars in that traffic snarl. What if some of them were in an emergency on the way to the hospital? What if somebody was headed to make a huge business deal that would be a, a great benefit to the state of Mississippi, 
but they missed the opportunity and the guy had to catch a flight. Small decisions can have huge effects. And a lot of times in our decision-making process in business, we kind of live off the cuff. We, we have, you know, as it comes, we make the decision. As it comes, we make the decision. And then when the ripple effect happens, we take a look back at it and go, oh man, I never saw that one coming. So what we want to share with you is recognizing, not only recognizing the effects that your decisions have, but how to pre-make a decision. You know, if you know the answer to a question before the question is asked, it's a whole lot easier to answer. It just is. You know, if you have a plan in place for every scenario you can come up with and understanding the thought going into it, when you, when you, when you operate a business off the cuff, you make a lot of bad decisions. And experience is a wonderful teacher, but it can also sink your business if you're not careful. So as you go through your day-to-day -day routine, you need to have answers to the question. If I have an opportunity to take on this, I mean, it's, the ripple effect's not always a negative, but you better see the, the, the whole of the picture. Anybody in here play chess? Anybody in here play checkers? You have kids. It's kind of the difference between playing chess and checkers. In checkers, you only really have to look for your next move. In chess, you have to evaluate the move and all the effects and all the other pieces and on your opponent's pieces that that move's gonna have. And that's why you see these guys, I can't play chess very often because I get a headache, because I have to, I overthink all of the moves. But that's, but that's exactly what the ripple effect is, is the, the converse to whatever you're doing. What, what effect is this gonna have on down the road? And see, in our office, Dave says I'm negative. And I don't view myself as negative. I view myself as, as a realist. And so when That's he what says, negative people say. And so, <laughs> and so when he says, we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome, I'm going to go, what happened? I go, what? okay, but what happens if this happens? He grounds me. I'm trying to think three, four steps down the line to when he drops that little bit of water and those ripples go out, I'm trying to get out here. So we can figure out what we need to do in case there's a PR disaster, it doesn't work out, we brought on three new people and we got to let them go because it flops. Yeah. So last thing you want to do is call somebody in and let them go because you made a mistake in the decision making process. So if, if you don't, if you're not that person, if you're the person that's dropping the water, you need somebody that will go, whoa, 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 let's slow down. And it doesn't have to be somebody in your office or that you even work with or work for. It could be a friend, somebody that you trust. You know, some, some of the things we're talking about here, it can be as like, the drop of water in this scenario can be you're late for work. If you're late for work and somebody's dependent on you to be there to provide them something, then you've set them back. And no telling, and if you've set them back, then somebody's dependent on them, they're set back. And then that product that they were supposed to produce is set back. And you see how quickly it just reverberates, not only to your business, but to your clients and your vendors. This is a problem many young people deal with and I, I'm not going to, well, I'll throw the term out there, millennials. Because they don't recognize, they figure if the job gets done, it doesn't matter when I start it or when I get through with it. But to someone like me, <clears throat> if I'm waiting on you to arrive, the message to me is your, your schedule, your time is more valuable than mine. 
and it creates a rift in communication from that point forward. I believe, and you can disagree with me if you like, being late is one of the single most selfish things you can do in your life. It just is. Now, there's people who are chronically late, and it's, it's kind of in their makeup to be late, you know. The governor, Quite frankly, I don't care. The governor, Cedric Glover. You know, I know for a fact, yeah, governor's worse about it, but I know for a fact that there are people who have lateness problems but have overcome it by doing things like setting their alarm earlier, setting their clocks ahead. My, my wife's older sister was bad late. I mean, always late. So that what they did is they would tell her things would start hours earlier so that when they were late, they were actually on time. Because they were cognizant of the problem. And they realized that if they were late, not only was there going to be an embarrassment, but it was going to create... Have you ever been waiting on somebody? And you're just like constantly looking at your watch? Every this happens to me on... Every second goes by, you get angrier oh, and your impression goes I start down. If I have an interview or an appointment that's coming to visit me, I start looking at my watch no later than 15 minutes prior to the scheduled appointment. And I start evaluating and making uh, judgment calls about that person in that time frame. If they show up in that 15-minute window, cool. They're a little bit bad. If they show up straight up on the time, you know, it's okay. They, they, they met the goal. They, 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 you know, they did what was expected of them. But every minute past there, I begin to question their ability. Because if you can't get to the appointment on time, then how can I trust you with this project or trust you with this, this other? Now, we know that there's extenuating circumstances. But we also know that everybody carries cell phones. I've, I have cut people slack and said, you know, 15 minutes out, look, I'm stuck in a, behind a train and, you know, over on Benton Road or, or whatever. That communication alleviates a lot of it. But if it happens time and time and time again, then I have a problem. And people that you deal with in business will have the same problem. The more they have to wait on you, the less, the less you become a priority to them because they see themselves as less of a priority to you. And largely we've talked about negative actions so far, but there are positive actions that can have positive ripple effects, like a new coat of paint at your office or in the general common area, something along those lines. We talked about that in culture a little bit when we did the culture presentation a few weeks back. But you doing something like that will make people take notice. Not only the people that work with you, but your customers. They're going to say, oh, you're trying to... You're trying to spruce this place up, huh? You guys must be doing all right. And to your employees, it shows you give a damn. It shows you care. If you're taking the time to invest money and effort into making the place look nice, then you obviously want to keep it open. Yeah, we, we ran into this two years ago um, at our own building. When we built our building in 2000 and we came in, um, we, there was no such thing as color. <laughs> Every wall was white. Every room had the same carpeting. It looked like a hospital. Uh, yeah, it just looked very institutional. Now, for us, when we first moved in, it was a new place, so it was like, it's awesome. Well, 10 years later, it's not so awesome. White is no longer bright. White it becomes dingy and, and, and nasty and, and dirty looking because somebody's going to bump up against something or handprints are going to be on the, on the um, trim. And so we made the decision. I said, look, uh, you know, cans of paint are not that expensive. Let's go ahead and paint this place. Let's, let's, let's kind of bring it in a little bit. Let's, let's kind of, you, you know, we're not talking about selling the farm and, and, and building a new place. Let's, let's make what we have look as good as we can within reason. 
And that was really the only intention behind that. But what happened was when somebody's office got painted, not only did they have a little bit more spring in their step, all the rest of the team started saying, well, when's my turn? When are we going to do mine? I'm looking forward to that. You know, can I pick out the color? Is it okay? You know, and they started engaging and it became this thing to where different people would volunteer to do different aspects of it. We had a lady in our graphic design department, just, she's like the garage sale queen. You know, she goes out every weekend. She goes to Goodwill. She would send me pictures and say, I think this would look great on that wall and it's only $5. Can I get it? And I'm like, go for it. And and next thing you know, the whole place started to, to take shape, and, and it was this thing, and, and we started getting excited about coming to work on Monday because we wanted to see what changed over the weekend, and, and it, it just, this ripple just kept happening and happening over the last two years, and now when we have people come in and visit our, our location, they, they walk in and they go, oh, wow, this is amazing. This place looks awesome. It's like a house in here. Yeah. Um, Jim Henderson, the uh, chancellor at Bojo Parish Community College, refers to it as our palatial establishment. I think he was being joking, but I took it and I've run with it since then. But somebody decided to invest $35 per, can, per gallon on some cans of paint. Amazing difference that it made. You know, we went from, from, a, from almost being embarrassed to bring clients in and sit down with them to, hey, come over to our office. Oh, we'll go in the conference room. We'll have, hey, we grind our own coffee now. So, hey, we'll give you some great coffee. Thanks, John, for the idea. And, and it, it makes a difference every little bit. And we're not, again, we're not talking about spending huge amounts of money, although to the end user, it looks like you've invested a ton. The ripple effect, one small decision to the positive just begin to go out and out and out and out. So we've talked about negative and positive, and now we're going to talk about unintended consequences. Remember what I was talking about with Newton's third law? Let's say you have somebody that is a cancer to your team, and they've got to go. Let's say you have somebody, a vendor that's a cancer to you. Let's say you have a client that is draining to you. They're not a good client. They're not worth your time. you got to let them go. So you let them go. Well, there are people who associate with that client or vendor or employee. There are people who like that, that vendor client employee. And now they don't like you so much. So what you thought was a good thing and had planned to be a good thing, now is coming back to bite you in the butt. But then the opposite also happens. Have you ever noticed that when you let a bad employee go, there's almost like a weight that's lifted off of the interior of the building. And, and everybody's like, Whew. you know, I'm, I look forward to coming to work now. It, you know, sometimes you cannot control what happens. But what you can control is how you react to what happens. You know, we've had people that we've let go that have taken, taken up their cross and gone on social media against us. We've had some that have hacked into our sites after being let go. Uh, we've had some, but on the flip side, we've had people that once we've let them go, the rest of the entire department and the rest of the, bu the building stepped up their game because they were more enthused about working there again. Y you have to look at everything. And I know as leaders, we kind of, especially entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are like, let's go to the next project. Let's go, 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 go. Everybody catch up with me. But sometimes you have to stop and say, okay, this decision or whatever, what's the positive negative? What's the pro and con? And, and be prepared for it. You know, um, in social media, and social media is such an immediate reactionary medium. 
It just is. You know, you have a bad meal somewhere, man, you're on Facebook just blowing it up or going on Urban Spoon and just trashing the place. That's all part of life now. And if your business does not have a social media policy, then let me tell you, first thing you need to do is call Amy Kennard because she'll help you fashion one. But you need to get one. You need to have the answer to the question because if one of your employees is taken to task on social media by a vendor or a client, they better know from the get-go whether you allow them to retaliate. Well, we had a PR disaster that social media exacerbated a few months ago. I had a former reporter make a judgment in their story. And I didn't know it was a judgment because I didn't write the story. I didn't know nothing about it. I basically checked it to make sure it was, from what I could tell, factually accurate and there were no typos. And then I put it on the page. That person made a, a they, they made a conclusion and it was false. Now you don't do that. And because it was a beloved institution with a chip on their shoulder already, they took it as a personal attack against their institution. And they took to social media and they did not let up for weeks. For weeks. You know, we, and, and what's sad is in, in, the, in, in the newspaper business, you'll find it a lot, probably television and other medium. It doesn't matter how many times you say about the good things about a place. You say one bad thing, that's the only thing they, they ever recognize you've ever done. And in this particular case, it did. It went on for weeks. Now, on the good side, because they wanted to all comment on the, on the, on the story, our, our website analytics went through the roof. I was just going to ask you, yeah. was it true that any publicity was good publicity? Eh, I don't know. Um, I think you had what you had is you had... 20 people who are louder than the rest because on one of our comments it was well yeah what do you expect we're you know we are a piece of crap that is essentially <laughs> what they said I'm, I'm being a little bit of hyperbole but it was you know yeah of course you know I agree with everything about this you know I you know and I'm just like so you had people who really cared but they were the people that you had to appease because they're the ones that are going to keep banging that drum keep beating that horse long after it's dead. Right, and what we, did, uh, we, we made the conscious decision that if they submitted anything to the newspaper, we'd run it, and that we would not edit comments. Just let them get it out. And if they want to trash us in the process, so be it. We've been here 150 years, we plan to be here another 150 years. So, you know, we've been through a lot worse than this. And eventually it died down, you know, but, you know, to that reporter or to the editor or to the people that are being, you know, bashed online, the knee-jerk reaction is to punch back. But what would that have done? Blown it up even further. And, and you know, when, when there's already a natural prejudice against your industry because of the way your industry handles things anyway, the best, the best decision was to decide not to react. And, and overall, you know, we've done plenty of stories even since then about this same institution, and guess what? It's died down. And one of the policies we have, and you can handle it however you see fit, is we don't air dirty laundry in public. We, we, we will open the doors and have, have discussion with anybody that wants to do it, but I'm not going to get in a match, even if I'm trying to apologize in front of everybody on social media. Because the problem with social media is there's a certain sense of anonymity that things that you would never say to somebody face to face, you'll post in a comment that fast. So we always open it up. Now, I will tell you, several years ago, we made a huge error before an election. We had a columnist um, state that certain people had not filed their campaign finance report. Well, 
it was true they had not filed it, but the law had been changed that if you'd only made if you'd only gotten a certain amount or less in contributions, you didn't have to file. So what what the, the what the columnists insinuated was that these people did something wrong and underhanded. So that is something that you have to address because all, all of a sudden you're accusing somebody of at least ignoring the law, if not out and out breaking it. To which we, at that point. I wrote, I wrote a front page story saying we got it wrong. I, I, I wrote a column about you know how things sometimes can be ever. Now, to the columnist's credit, it was not intentional. They did not know the law had changed and that the, the website for the um, Secretary of State still reflected the old law. So it was an honest mistake, but it had a ripple effect because what if this person didn't get elected because somebody assume that they were crooked because they didn't file a campaign finance report. So we had to immediately do something. And luckily we were a daily newspaper at the time and we were able to correct it the following day. But, but that's what I'm talking about. Small decisions can have huge effects if you're not careful. And, and, you know, and there's no way to catch each one. I mean, obviously, you know, you'd never make a move if you were worried about every single ripple effect. But at the same time, you cannot ignore them. You have to recognize that something may happen out of this decision. And because of connectivity and social media, the ripple goes a lot farther than it used to. Um, <clears throat> so we've talked. We, we, I, I want you guys to understand that you have to plan. We've, you know, we've talked about the types of ripples that can happen in the cases, but, but it, you know, you need to plan because you know you could you could make a decision where you say I'm going to cut this or do this, and then I want to increase profits and it really leads to you losing your business. You know, the, remember what I said about Newton's third law? You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so you, it's easy to plan for a bad decision. It's easy to plan for a good decision. It's really easy to plan for a good decision because when you have a lot of money, you can do a lot of things. If you don't have any money, you can't do nothing. So, I think you've heard that somewhere yeah, before heard that at the before. office. Yeah, uh, and you heard it somewhere, so, but it's hard to plan when you don't know the consequences that can happen. But you need to have a contingency plan ready to go in case the thing that you're making, the decision you're making, you think is positive, goes belly up. Here, here's a good example of making a cognitive decision that could have really gone sour for us. Gosh, a little over a year ago, we decided to rebrand our business publication from. Northwest Louisiana Business Monthly to biz. Now that's an easy decision. Rebranding, shoot, you can rebrand. I mean, how many times have you gone to Walmart and you can't find something because they rebranded it and you don't recognize the packaging? I mean, that's, that's the easy part. But what we also decided to do was really increase our costs by having it printed in Dallas because our press couldn't handle what, the magazine style and adding the Shreveport Chamber member list to our Bossier Chamber member list for distribution significantly increasing costs on a publication that was barely breaking even. We were sweating it. Oh man. You know, that first month, you know, we're like, oh, here we go. You know, there's no turning back now. But because we did that, did we see gains month one? No. Did we see gains in the first three months? Just a little bit. No, not really. We we're wondering if it was ever going to catch traction. But all of a sudden the influence of biz started growing, started growing. And we would bring it down to Cohab, and John would read it, and, and this would happen. And then, like, the beginning of the summer, John comes to us and says, look, I really like what you guys are doing. We've got a slot on Fridays. Can you teach what's in there to people, and have, we'll have a time of networking? All. all because we made a cognizant choice to do this with biz. 
that, that you know, and it could have it could have gone sour. I mean, it could have we could we could have wiped out the publication. I mean, it was a little publication that could. We were making just enough money to make it worth doing, but we knew that it could do more. We knew it could help more people if we could get it in more hands and present it in a way that people could get some quick reads out of it. And so that was the decision we made. But it was scary. We were sweating it. It took us three months to say we got to pull the trigger on this or not do it. I mean, really and truly, that's how long it took us to, to reach that decision. But now look what's happened. You're here today because of a decision we made 14 months ago. And hopefully we haven't given you bad advice. So the decisions you made, you decided to come into Shreveport Bossier. The first few times you were here, you're like, we're trying to get our feet in. We're trying. All of a sudden, the traction's starting. And you're starting to see, but had you not made the decision to say, look, if we can do this in Monroe, West Monroe, I know we can do it in Shreveport, Bossier. If you had not made that decision, your ripple effect would have never taken place. You would not be seeing what you're seeing now. It all comes back to understanding the, the decisions. You've got to decide to make a decision. Well, not only that, but, you know, we've talked about the effects on your business, your bottom line, whatever. It also, like we talked about with the paint, every decision you make has a consequence and sends a signal to your team. If you're lazy, your team thinks it's okay to be lazy. If you're like, I'm going to leave every day at 3 o'clock, you know, I come in at, at 8 and I'm going to leave at 3 just because I'm not productive after 3 o'clock, then your team's going to go, well, the boss is gone. What am I here for? Yeah, I had, a, I had a publisher that I worked for in Alabama, and he wouldn't get there till 10, and he was always gone by 2, and he took an hour lunch in between. I had no respect for the man, and he was a relative. No respect. The rest of us there are just busting our tails trying to get a newspaper out or trying to make budget or whatever. And here's this knucklehead, you know, he's like, you know, uh, dry cleaning in by 10, out by two, you know. And then when he has the gall to jump on you for not hitting something, what's going through your mind? Or, you know, if you had your butt here a little bit longer, you, you might know what's going on. This is the ripple effect. Did he need to be there from 10 to 2? Could he get his job done from 10 to 2? Yeah, maybe, but sometimes the mere presence of the boss has an effect on the productivity of the team. And it's not always a, a scared of the boss thing. It may be a respect for the boss or he cares enough to be here. My dad was the, the master at this. If anybody had to work in the press room or anywhere off hours because there was a big job, he was always there. Could he, could he run a press? No. But what he can do is go buy hamburgers for everybody to make sure they got something to eat in the middle of this project. He knew that his presence there showed the team that he gave a damn. And thereby extension, they gave a damn. And actions speak louder than words. You can communicate to your employees. You know, I, I have some stuff I have to handle after 3 o'clock, whatever, but if it becomes a habit... And you can tell that you can give all the excuses, all the rationale in the world that makes sense to you and that may be true. But if you don't back up the fact that you're committed to the company and that you care about them, they're going to latch on to your negative traits. They're going to start slacking off. You know, we, we've talked about all this and it's all fine. And we were saying you need to you need to plan. You need to account. It's impossible to account for every single effect that can happen. When you make it, you'll end up with a headache like playing chess. But at the same time, you can't ignore it. Yeah, you have to be aware of what your actions mean to others. That's all. If you if you know that I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this and people are counting on me to be there, you have to be ready for the blowback. 
You have to know that people are going to go, where were you? We were expecting, you know, we thought you were going to be there. We were looking forward. You have to answer for that. If you know you're going to let people down in some way, if you're going to make a major decision, even if you're going to make a tiny decision, like Dave said, mm -hmm. if you're going to make the smallest decision in the world, you still just need to be aware that, well, somebody could disagree with this in the office or that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I thought about this uh, a couple days ago, or actually a couple weeks ago. We in this group are a tribe. Okay, we, we, we've kind of gotten to know each other over the course of this summer. And when the Facebook event goes out, I look and see who clicks join or I'm going. And I notice when people who say they're going to be here don't make it. And I, and I make a mental note, positive or negative. I may always make a mental note, you know, and, and that's, that was one of the ripple effects of us deciding to go once a month is like, look, we know people want to come. They just can't seem to get here every Friday. So let's do something and back off and, and do something more in depth, but, but do it once a month. Everything you do has a ripple effect. Now, don't let it paralyze you, but at the same time, learn from it. Be intentional. Be intentional. Life's about being intentional. And, and essentially what it gets down to is, as a leader, which I figure everybody in this room is, I would classify you all as leaders in one way or another, what you do matters. And if you believe you're a leader and you embrace that and you know that what you do matters, then you'll care about the consequences of your actions. What a great biz breakfast that was. And I'd like to encourage you to come to the biz breakfast that's held the second Friday of each month at Cohab in downtown Shreveport. It's uh, from 9 a.m. to 10.30. We serve food, and all of it is absolutely free. We're going to be sharing some more of these uh, great lessons from the Biz Breakfast on future episodes of the Biz Tools Podcast, so keep listening in. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Biz Tools Podcast. We hope you found the information today useful for your business. If you have any questions, please post them in the comments section of the show notes. We'll do our best to answer them. The show notes for this and all of our episodes are available at biztoolspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. In addition, learn more about biz and what we can do for your business at thebiztools.com. We'd love for you to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher so that more people would know about it. We really appreciate the feedback. So remember, applied knowledge is power. Be the leader you were always meant to be.